You come right out of a comic book. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Uh, just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hello, fine friends, and welcome to Screen Mayhem. Matthew Whitaker here. This episode, we're going to be talking film festivals in times of COVID, as well as our personal top three horror movies of the moment. Who better to join me in that talk than the Film Fest fanatic, head movie critic, and ghost of Macbeth himself, probably. Paul Salt. How's it going, Paul? Actually, um, people don't talk about the ghost of Macbeth as much, but you know, you had to go somewhere. You got so much <laughs> Macbeth on the brain, and you know. I know, it's a nightmare. We're finally putting it behind us, um, and we'll be starting a new um, series very yeah. soon, which, uh, yeah, will be somewhat somewhat themed appropriately for uh, for our topic today, but we shall come to that. I love that. Well, for our, for our listeners, uh, just to be clear, uh, there is a podcast on Screen Mayhem that you can go check out. Yeah. Uh, it's all about every Macbeth iteration ever yeah. done and uh paul here and uh one of his homies they get on there and they talk it up so <laughs> anyway that back back to the reality so you went oh, to yeah. a film fest over the last what uh I'll, I'll just let you take it from here let's film fest talk <laughs> yeah so i guess saying i went to is appropriate but it's a very <laughs> odd thing because yes it was the london film festival my favorite but also most stressful time of year um where traditionally I cram myself into a cinema for a good four-week period Mm -hmm. to see up to three, maybe even five films um, a day at the height of the thing um, and get about four hours sleep um, each night. It's a terrible way to watch movies. I can't uh, (laughs) recommend it, um, recommend not doing it that way enough, but it is still a thrill ride and there's a kind of giddy delirium that takes over that makes everything just a little bit awesome. Um, This year, different. Uh, the press screenings were all delivered online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got sent a little access to a website and uh, rather charmingly you would click on the film that was due to start and it would give you a countdown to the uh, time that it was due to start, even if it was the next day, so you could watch your oh. hours of sleep sort of dwindle away. That's funny. <laughs> and then, yeah, they did a bunch of actual screenings uh, online via the BFI player and did a few screenings at the uh, sort of BFI flagship um, cinema, the BFI South Bank. But yeah, I saw a lot of films. I probably saw, in terms of percentage of the overall films they had, this is probably my best year, but that's because usually the BFI Film Festival has 250 films playing. This year they had 50, of which I saw 42. Wow. I'll never get a pass rate that close again. No, that's really impressive. Impressive on your part and um, pretty cool on their part. Uh, do you think it was uh, yeah. l- less movies because of the format? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, less movies just because less got made this right. year. Right, no, I mean, for sure. And, and certainly smaller films. If I think back to last year, we had um, the premi- the European premieres of uh, Jojo Rabbit, mm. David Copperfield. Um, what else do we have in there? We had Knives Out with the European premiere of Knives Out. And it's just... Yeah, it was a a smaller year, but it does mean that smaller films got to sort of stand out more and got more attention than they might normally have done. So that was cool. Cool. There were some real interesting oddities um, that came out of it this year. We have, um, just to highlight a couple, we've got Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, 
Uh, sorry, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. It's a film about the last 24 hours of operation of an American dive bar. Ooh. And it's just about the inhabitants there and the sort of slight melancholy. But better than any film I've ever seen, it captures drunk talk. Oh. That 5 a.m., everybody's pissed. Everybody's talking and feels like they're getting very profound, but nobody's actually hearing each other. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and speaking of alcohol, there was another round, uh, or druck, which was Mads Mikkelsen plays a teacher oh. who, along with a bunch of other teachers, decide that um, they're going to test a thesis that mankind is terminally, uh, I think it's something like 0.2% low on its alcohol level. And that all the great men of history were all just uh, a little bit drunk all the time, like um, <laughs> Churchill and such. So they decide yeah. they're going to see what, try and p- test the, hypo- the hypothesis. Um, and it's interesting. It's It doesn't quite know, I think, where morally it stands, because ultimately the undoing of the men is that they overindulge. Um, not that they become, you know, habit drinkers. <laughs> right. But they take it too far. Well, that's funny. Um, I would watch mm. Matt's... Uh... Changes, oh. changes oil if I could. well yeah. you'll you'll love the end of the movie because there's a dance number involving that oh my god that would be hilarious <laughs> he's a good dancer it seems um the weirdest thing i loved was david burns american utopia um not being that familiar with the talking heads i guess i didn't know what to expect out of a, a concert movie directed by spike lee but it was surprisingly awesome yeah I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I'm a big fan, and uh, I, I mean, I he's some sort of uh, miracle of Earth, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm was, looking forward yeah. to. It. Yeah, he was like Mr. Rogers if he started singing. He just had this wonderful, wholesome, but incredibly insightful energy about him, and the the music was amazing. The staging was great. It was really quite something. Yeah, what a cool um, guy. Yeah, he seems to be. And I, a film I think you're going to like is Possessor. This is oh. David Cronenberg, son of. Um, Brandon. No, other way around. Brandon Cronenberg, son of David, right? Yeah. Um, he is... Uh, did you ever see his first film? It was uh, Antiviral, it was called, and it was about a culture in which people are so obsessed with celebrities that they pay money to like have their colds. No, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> it was very interesting, but this is more accomplished. This is Andrea Riceborough as a clandestine government agent and it's in a future where the technology exists to possess people and like move them around like robots oh, wow. um, and the way in which she uses this is that she goes into people's minds in order to get them to kill corporate rivals and then you know stage it as if it was a murder-suicide thing um, it's super weird super violent um, really really violent <laughs> there's a couple of moments in there that really recall the sort of splatter movies of the 1980s um, great soundtrack just really interesting and kind of weird it reminded me of what Cronenberg used to do in the 80s which Mm. is lure in the teens with the promise of violence and nudity and then when they get in there just fuck their heads with weird (laughs) mind bending concepts yeah it's like Videodrome it's really good (laughs) that's terrific and then I was very interested in Mm. uh, the one about the uh, Czechs and the Austrians during World War 2 yeah absolutely Uh, Shadow Country really interesting film Uh, not a period of history you hear about a lot but yeah I mean after World War Two came to an end, it's not like we all went back to being peaceful neighbors. There right. were a lot of reprisals and, uh, yeah, a lot of um, 
upsetting uh, a lot of massacres happened sort of in retaliation for the you know the events of world war Two, and this is a very interesting little snapshot of that moment in history i'm curious were there other um horror movies um being this time of year and all i Ooh. assume that you know certain <laughs> movie makers are out there thinking about what's gonna hit about now uh yeah, there was one other one I saw, and um, you have to give me a moment on here. I think it was called The Relic, and it was a, a, a little on-the-nose uh, horror film about having a parent experiencing dementia, oh. essentially. Uh, so uh, a, a daughter and her daughter, so it's three generations of women here, um, go back to the family home and find that the grandmother is acting very spooky. And it's got a kind of you know sinister, what is she up to, what's going on in this house kind of vibe to it. And of course, it's all analog- an analogy for, you know, living with someone who has dementia, who's no longer sort of becoming themselves. And it was good. It was a very creepy film, very well made. Um, I mean, really, what but... are we without our memories? Well, exactly. Yeah, it's like dying but still being alive. It's, yeah. It really is a horrific concept. Yeah. Um, it, it, it reminded me of The Babadook in some ways, but uh, which was about grief. But mm-hmm. whereas The Babadook kind of sees our main character come to some kind of catharsis, with the horrible situation this movie ends a bit more fatalistically Mm -hmm. um but it was otherwise good there was also a movie and i'm gonna oh it was called something a love story (laughs) i think it might have been anna a love story and it was about a um a very english vampire story in which a guy and a girl have gone to the woods and are in a cabin but it's quite clear that the guy is kind of keeping the the girl hidden away Uh and they're trying to treat her because she's a vampire so yeah and understated but yeah, that was really good. It was similar vibes to It Comes at Night. Yeah, which was fantastic. Um, gosh, yeah. Well, yeah, let's get into talking about horror movies. Like, um, And I'll, I'll just <laughs> say, um, you know, we have a number of these reviews mm. up on Screen Mayhem, so go check them out for the yes. London Film Festival. Uh, I'll say one last thing on it, which is yeah. just that my favorite film of the festival was a movie called Wolf Walkers, which is a bit Halloweeny, but it's a family film from the same studio who made uh, The Breadwinner and um, or the director of which we interviewed, Nora Tomi. So go check that out as well. Um, but yeah, the Wolf Walkers is such a fabulous movie about a young Irish girl, a young English girl in Ireland who um, discovers a sort of feral girl who has this tribe of wolves at her command it's kind of like princess mononoke but in irish mythology it's really good oh i'm very interested in that too (laughs) oh that's super cool Mm. but yes like you say let's uh yeah yeah it's been that uh time of year i mean i've probably watched (laughs) i won't exaggerate 50 horror films in the last couple weeks love it yeah love it catching up with the old and the new you know through an amityville original friday the 13th Ah. halloween you know it's just kind of like just get them all in and get into the the so good so yeah i I had go ahead please mm, oh i had a themed uh watch list this year i decided we did van helsing on one good thing Hmm. um the 2004 movie (laughs) and after that i was kind of like kind of want to check in on those old those original monster movies so i watched all the old universal horror films so i watched uh you know dracula 1931 oh, and um, uh james wales frankenstein and a couple of them were very surprising like i completely forgot how good the invisible man is right it's very good yeah it's really well made and the the way they did the effect like you had to i don't know i yeah. thought i yeah i watched it maybe last year and i was just like that was uh, clever as hell yeah i thought it followed the, the format of all the other universal horror films which is you know a very upper class english family eventually mm. go out to deal with this thing but no it's like a police procedural of how the hell are we going to catch a man who's invisible and they have all these tactics and weird strategies that work and then don't work and my god griffith um that's his name isn't it um oh i forget the guy's human name 
but um, human name. <laughs> He's the Invisible Man. He is te- he is just loving it. That performer. Yeah. He is absolutely loving playing this bad guy. It's a delicious performance. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'll let you start. Mm. Uh, if we're gonna do a oh, sure. top three each, I'll, um, I'll let you start with your number three, and we'll just uh, go through it. See if we uh, we hit on any of the same <laughs> ones. Okay. Well, do you know what? Hmm. I'm going to start with something that I would say is more of a guilty pleasure, but it's not really a guilty pleasure. It's it's always interesting to ask people what their favorite John Carpenter movie is, because there's not really, maybe apart from The Thing, an obvious answer. That was Everybody's going to say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Thing is great, but once you get past The Thing, everybody's going to say something weird and different. Like maybe someone loves Assault and Precinct 13 or Escape from New York, True. you know, but... Or They Live, which is really great. Or, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. There's so many good stuff there. But I have a particular favorite, which I always watch at Halloween. Um, because at Halloween, I remember learning that it's important to not just watch any horror film. You've got to watch the right kind of horror film. Um, and you've got to watch something with atmosphere. Right. My two favorite kinds of atmosphere at Halloween are either English Gothic, like mist and fogs and old castles and ruins Love and such. It. Or camp, uh, sort of American uh, autumnal, you know, Americana. Yeah. You know, I want wide streets, uh, lots of leaves, you know, fall aesthetic, uh, plastic pumpkins, kids in costumes, that kind of thing. And I think there's kind of a meeting point a little bit in The Fog mm-hmm. by John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, which is set in a little town uh, featuring a lighthouse that I really wish I could live in. Um one of our main characters is a, uh, has the best setup ever. She's like a radio host of this kind of sleazy late night radio. Um, and she runs it out of a lighthouse because she's a badass. Um, and yeah, this creepy English style or New England, perhaps, because New England is part of it the tradition New as well. Exactly. Yeah. And you can see David Egger's uh, stuff, The Witch and um, uh, The Lighthouse, for more examples of like New England folk horror, totally. um, which is really good. But yeah, this horrible fog rolls in at night and turns off all the power and sort of, you've got kind of this gothic horror stalking the streets of a kind of uh, 70s America. And I just love the aesthetic. It's also got a great cast. You've got a lot of great people in there, including Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, it also has possibly my favorite opening to any horror film ever, because you've got the guy around the campfire telling a terrifying yeah. story to those kids with that beautiful john carpenter piano music it's yeah i really really have a big soft spot for the fog and i I watch it almost every halloween i love it um you know jamie Lee curtis you just i don't mm. think of her much anymore and if i do it's usually thinking <laughs> about um uh true lies or something but she was really <laughs> prolific back then um she sure was uh, i ran into her in just like the dumbest thing i, I watched a movie called i think it's called road games uh australian Ooh. movie Oh, it was just weird. Okay. Yeah, it was her. It was one of her first movies. You know, she'd done Halloween. Yeah. She went on to that. But it was just weird because I'd never even heard of this movie. I just was looking for horror movies I hadn't seen. And, but yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, she just pops up all over the place. <laughs> she was so One good. of my favorite. Oh, she's really good. One of my favorite early um, Jamie Lee Curtis roles was um, a movie called Terror Train. Oh, I remember Terror Train. You remember Terror Train? Yeah. It was in that sort of slew of um, Halloween knockoffs. Right. Um, and it had David Copperfield in it, the magician, which is really bizarre. He shows up as this, like, magician on board, sort of confusing things and acting that. sinister. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. He gives a quite interesting performance. Well, this movie, um, you'll love it. It was about a truck driver with a dingo who picks up <laughs> so a hitchhiker. So far, most Australian thing ever. Yeah, totally. And it's yeah, pretty much just him 
following like it's a road movie and that's what i was into I, oh. I was i spent like a month watching every road horror movie i could find so i rewatched hitcher oh. i did um i did oh. that one. i did that horrible <laughs> one with uh, leland palmer from twin peaks and you know it was just they get Ooh. stuck on a side road and then they all eventually get killed it was just terrible but yeah this was one yeah. of them in the mix and it was just a nice hunk of 70s garbage that wasn't jeepers creepers was it no it, it had a dumb name like oh. um high road or and I'm confusing that too because then I got in. I, there's I got another like a a movie about mm. people who climb mountains and the horror that comes from it, and that one got mixed in there. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> road games. Yeah, it was a weird one. Yeah, speaking of Australian horror, I will uh, suggest to people Wake and Fright, mm. which is a '70s Australian movie about a school, an English school teacher in Australia who decides to go on holiday, and he has the misfortune of bumping into Donald Pleasance, and from there his life is just wow. fucked. That's true. <laughs> really menacing. Well, I'm I'm having a hard time. I have my three, and I mean, okay. it's just, it's not really a top three. They're just three things I'm going to sure. talk about. So I'll start with um, funny games. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, and I love funny games. Um, mm. I only discovered funny games this year. Uh, it, mm. it had always been around, and I was kind of like, well, whatever. So I watched the first, I mean, the, the original, and I watched the remake. And I thought they were both equally brilliant, frankly. Um, I, I do, of course. Uh, there's nothing like the original um, in most yeah. cases. So I would watch the original before I'd watch the remake again. Oh, but, of course. But what a fascinating movie. Um, my The biggest yeah. thing for it for me is there are so many dumb movies about uh, people breaking <laughs> into people's houses and keeping them, you know, contained, yeah. tortured, blah, blah, blah. It's just this wasn't that. This was more like a, a spoiler alert. Um but a couple guys <laughs> that can control the universe who are just playing games with regular humans. Yeah. It's fucking dark. It was weird, and it stuck <laughs> with me. And, yeah, I, I loved it. There's number three. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's um, mm. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, and I'd throw out, I don't know the actress, but Anna, the one, the lady who played the, the mom, she, oh, yeah. she did miserable. Like, I've never seen anybody <laughs> do miserable. I felt her. I was like... Yeah, uh, it it punches you in the gut. Yeah, it's a very odd film because Michelle Haneke made it um, kind of like a criticism of horror movies, um, and then he decided to remake it into um, English because he felt that by making it in you know the original language, he wasn't targeting the demographic he was actually trying to reach, um, which was interesting. But yeah, the original is definitely the sort of edgier experience, and Haneke is just such an interesting filmmaker his film cache is also one yeah. of those not horror but very menacing films i believe you suggested that one to me um, mm. and i did yeah i watched it afterwards because when i first watched ah. these i hadn't watched any of his other films so i thought mm. cache was really interesting too yeah he's a he's yeah. a really fascinating filmmaker and mm. um i mean these movies are delicious in just so many ways like the just the, the camera angles and the way they set everything up i mean it was really it was something different so yeah, yeah, no. it really was. And yeah, he's right. You're right. He like did then. Oh yeah, let's try to get this off to the you know English speaking, <laughs> all these ho- yeah. speaking horror people. And, and he did a good job. And but it's mm. it's a little bit different to throw Naomi Watts in there at us, and it's a little different to have Tim <laughs> Roth in there with us. Um, it just yeah. it makes it feel a little maybe less sincere. Yeah, yeah, I think so. By having by having those people in there, it just. I don't know. It just makes you—you're very aware that they're who you're watching. Right. I, I could not. I never forgot. There's Naomi Watts. Oh, she's, she's yeah having a hard time getting it. Yeah, it's I, I... one of the many many problems that also beset the uh, remake of uh, the Vanishing as right. well with fucking twenty four guy in it. Keep yeah, Sutherland. Keeper Sutherland. 
Yeah, that that and the happy ending they gave it. That was so stupid. Oh. <laughs> All right, number two for you. Number two. Now, here's the thing. If I talk about my favorite horror movies, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk to you about The Shining and The Exorcist, because those are my two favorite horror movies. Right. So let's keep it going of just sort of movies of the moment. Right. You See, know? I would <laughs> have done... The, I yeah. would have definitely... Um, done uh, uh um you just said it carpenter's uh uh oh god my brain oh the thing yeah sorry i would have yeah. done uh, i think the thing is probably number one followed by shining and yeah, yeah. it's just really tough but yeah please keep it going with <laughs> yeah let's go for something weird um what am i going to talk about do you know what i'm going to talk about i've been watching um the haunting of blind manor on netflix okay. so let's have a number of people and one thing i didn't appreciate is that what mike flanagan has done here is he's adapted another classic ghost story um because of course the haunting of hill house was an adaptation of the haunting um and this time he's adapted the turning of the screw um and i saw that in the credits and i was like i know that movie what is that movie oh that's the movie that the innocence was based on and i didn't even get this until the movie until the i was a couple of episodes in and was like hang on a minute this is a lot like (laughs) that movie the innocence (laughs) but um yeah the innocence is a very very creepy 1960s um horror film uh let me get it here 1961 psychological horror film and it's just really menacing in that wonderful way that um the same way as the haunting is it's just it's the dictionary definition of creepy in as much as you don't you feel unnerved but you're not quite sure what it is you should be afraid of is there something in this house is there something wrong with these kids you know what is actually going on and what and also is there something wrong with our main character deborah kerr plays this brilliantly um unhinged lead and she's just really wonderful at being menaced by her surroundings and i think it tells a story that a bunch of horror films you know later and more recently have tried to play Mm -hmm. um but with a great deal of success it's just a really fabulous sort of yeah, uh, atmospheric horror film, and that's what I love. And I also, I have a real soft spot for movies set in big old estates. Yeah. Even if they're not very good. Like, I was very fond of that, what was it called with uh, Casey Holmes? Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Just because I loved the big old house it was set in. It was That was the one with the evil tooth fairies that would come and get you. I know, I've never even been in a house like that. It, they're they're amazing right you watch these movies and they you know it's eight floor uh, yeah realistically yeah. three floors and they're really wide and it's all these weird rooms and secret entrances and, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why it's such a shame that that winchester movie was so bad the one with helen mirren oh, because right. that the winchester house is that it's the actual haunted house that's the one you, you know that should be easy to turn into a very spooky <laughs> film but that's they it. messed it up somehow i love it <laughs> all right well my uh number two um is host from this year Ooh. rob savage directed um oh, have you heard right. of this one i've heard of it it's fascinating yeah, it's it. it sounds like a gimmick uh well it is a gimmick mm. but it sounds like it's going to be gimmicky and it's totally not mm. it's uh the the premise is six people um hire uh like a psychic to um have like a i think it was a seance or something like that through zoom because <laughs> it's during the pandemic <laughs> so yeah the zoom thing is the part that i thought well that's going to be a little weird and it it works most of the time. It does have its problems, but it's really fun. It was really just it, the things go wrong uh, and horrible mm-hmm. things start happening to everybody. And the way you can, it's like you're watching, you know, six movies at the same time because yeah. you're watching the reactions of each person and what's happening to to them. And I don't know, it's really, really neat. Um, and such a, such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. They came along at a perfect time. You know, it was that period just where um, 
everybody needed something new, some sort of new thing, and everyone was getting familiar with Zoom as well and right. similar sort of sharing things. So it really sort of capitalized. Yeah, I've on been exactly on the Zoom right thing. so many times during the pandemic, playing games, doing whatever <laughs> with friends. You know, it was kind of yeah. like the only way to have face to face with people. So it all makes sense. And then to add this horror element in, it's like, hey, have you seen the Zoom scary movie? It's like, yeah, screw yeah. off. But no, he did it. He did it well. <laughs> it's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there, I remember um, there were a couple of movies that came out that was sort of trying to capitalize on the absolute lack of anything else that was around. Um, and I remember one of them was that terrible movie about the water slide. I can't remember <laughs> what it's called now. It was it was about a guy who it was it was such a like it was like such a one note premise that they tried to stretch into a um, a full length movie. It was um, Aqua Slash. That's what it was called. Oh my god! <laughs> it was just it was this idea that the guy who ran the water park put these blades in, so if you went down the water flume at a, at a speed, it would slice you up. And it was just uh, a wonderful premise. It makes a great trailer. It right. felt like one of those grindhouse trailers from like you know the. Um, the grindhouse double bill yeah but, um yeah as a movie somewhat tedious oh wow <laughs> yeah that's hilarious <laughs> well that brings us to your uh your number one of the season yeah okay so i was thinking about what to talk about and i finally landed on one because i've talked to i've given you a couple of movies that are kind of like english ghost stuff incidentally the best english ghost stories are a short run of um short films that were made by the bbc called the ghost stories at christmas all directed uh, all based on um mr james one of them based on a Dickens novel oh. and one of them on an original script. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the director and I could kick myself. It's, um, he d- oh, Lawrence Clark. David Lawrence Clark, I think his name was. Um, he directed them all and they're all brilliant, all of these, especially Whistle and I'll Come to You. Very spooky. But those are short films, basically like a television series. So in terms of actual movies, I'm going to have an American, you know, autumnal Americana thing. And I'm going to go for a recent movie that I think kind of slipped by. The movie was called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't it was based see on it. a... It sounded hmm. too much like Goosebumps or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's a bunch of kids investigating spooky goings-ons. And it's, um, yeah, it's very <laughs> it, it, it's very closely um, capitalizing on things like Stranger Things. and mm-hmm. But it, the main thing I remember about it is it's beautiful, again, Halloween setting. It's just set, it's set right there. And... I'm going to quote my review of it that I wrote last year because it it sums up my feelings. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a little frustrating in how close it gets to greatness. It nearly ties all of its scary stories into the psychologies of the various characters, but the characters aren't quite fleshed out enough. It nearly manages to have more than a superficial connection to the time frame and the horror of the Vietnam War because it's set right there in, like, 1969. And I think, you know, the war looms. Um, and it very nearly has a point to make about the nature of stories and how they stay with us and influence mm-hmm. us. Uh, thematically, it's a bit muddled, but stylistically, it's very good. It's um, spooky fun and very nostalgic is how it felt. And the monsters in it are really well designed. They're based on the graphic novel and they're very spooky. Um, there's a scarecrow in it who's just horrible. There's a um, a, a weird sort of... Uh, woman mental health patient uh, monster who's just like this big kind of marshmallow thing and it's just very effective design so yeah sc- scary stories to tell in the dark and damn it one just occurred to me that I should have done instead ghost stories <laughs> the uh, British film Bandy Nyman is um, also really good it's an anthology horror story that has some really spooky moments so sorry I cheated <laughs> no that's okay you know I, I'm gonna cheat too just because I think if I had a number one of all time 
I might mm. still throw it to Psycho, but I'm not gonna. Ooh, I'm not brilliant. gonna sit here and just talk about Psycho. I mean, I, yeah. we all love um, Psycho. It, it's yeah, sort of the my yeah. It's the it's a, it's what everything's <laughs> based on. Yeah. You yeah, know. it's absolutely brilliant, and I, I my number one would just be The Shining. Right, just talk here. It's just sit it's here talking perfect. about how. <laughs> yeah, sit here talking about how Stephen King was wrong and Stanley Kubrick was right, but you know we've all heard it. <laughs> you know, and it's true because you know you, you'll still have the book. Go read the book if you want the yeah. exploration into alcoholism, but go see the movie That's if exactly you want the it. elevator of blood. Exactly, they had different priorities. Totally. Stephen King wanted to tell a story about a nice guy whose life was ruined by alcoholism. Stanley Kubrick wanted to tell a story about a man who hated his family, and all he needed was an excuse. Totally, and that's scary. <laughs> or maybe even I would say, like these people in society that uh, they play along and they play by the rules, even though they yeah. they don't like the, who's around them and whatever. And yeah, I don't yeah. think he thought going in he was going to end up as bad as it was. But then once he was there, mm. he had free reign, right? Like, yeah, yeah, all work and no play. He was just doing what he felt like he should be and not doing what he actually wanted to do, and it drove him mad. See, so we both cheated. We got to throw in our real ones. Yeah, we did. <laughs> okay, so my final one of the season, I really enjoyed, and this was this order was wrong too, but The Rental, mm. I don't know if you got to see that. Um, it was actually no. directed by Dave Franco, of all people. Um, wow. I don't know what He's to good. do with him, but yeah, it has Dan Stevens in it, who <laughs> I love, Alison mm. Brie, who I love, and it, the premise <gasps> is um, these two couples decide to get an Airbnb, Mm. And it, you start out right in the beginning and they sort of put a little bit of doubt into like this Indian girl tried to get the Airbnb and the guy wouldn't give it to her. But when the white dude went oh. and did it, he got the the place. So oh. there's some icky feelings right in the beginning with the owner who meets them and all of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They, just, you know, they're going to party. I think they have drugs, mush- I think of the <laughs> mushrooms or something like that. They're all getting drunk. The idea was to have fun. But as it would happen, of course, uh, Dan decides to uh, um, hook up with uh, the girl of the other um, couple in the uh, shower, and they notice after that that there is a camera in the shower, in uh, in the nozzle. So then it starts the movie. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's been spying on us and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, well, you'll just have to see it because <laughs> obviously things aren't what they seem. It sounds very enticing. Oh, it was really cool. <laughs> good stuff i love that yeah. i love that kind also of also gimmicky yeah. right airbnb and stuff like that but it really worked <laughs> it worked yay there's a lot of shit to be afraid of of airbnb oh you're right it's about time we capitalize on that i thing is there's some messed up shit going on in those things it's true just about every one you go to you can't see it but they could be covered in blood and semen yeah <laughs> uber <laughs> they're, they're, i mean that's just bound to be they might as well write it into the profiles so they've been an uber horror yeah, what about Spree? I think it was called that one. It had the Stranger Things guy oh. just did it. He drives an Uber <laughs> and he's trying to get like more likes on Instagram, so he does stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, they've done. I it. haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay, everything you can think of has been done. Yeah, if, <laughs> you know what I haven't seen yet is like um, like uh, Postmates or Caviar, or whatever you have over across the <laughs> pond. You know, with food delivery horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's writing it right now. You know they are. They're just like, how do we make it scary? The chicken wings. Delivering human flesh. (laughs) Right. The chicken wings come to life. Yeah, that's what you could do. You could do the classic. There's this place that's getting more orders than anywhere, and it's because, of course, they're using people. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Oh, man. They're eating their drivers, and the whole thing is a commentary on, like, how exploited the drivers are. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's it. Um, I'd like to Mm. um, circle back to uh, you brought up you were doing another podcast project. 
We are. We're not ready to announce it just okay, yet, okay. but it's going to be spooky, Ooh. and it's going to be something that me and Katie care about a great deal. Probably the horror franchise that we have bonded over the most, mm. and we're going to do a rundown of each installment in it. Mm. So um, I'm very excited. Keep an eye out for that. Okay. We're going to start that next week, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, wonderful. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> all we got. Till next time, everyone. Yeah. Take care.